0: So we've been talking about this series called It Never Fails. It Never Fails. This is week three. Uh, so what is it? Yeah, okay, it's not a trick question. Uh, love. Love never fails, right? It's it's, uh, it's specifically, more specifically, God's love in us. God's love in us. It's it, You know, that whole 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we've been going over it. I'm not going to put it up again today, but we've been going over it. The love chapter and talking about God's love in us and what it does. And if if you might even have one of these little love confession uh, cards that pastor gave us to be able to uh, just confess that over our lives, you know, about how God's love in us, how we should act and how it will affect us and what we should be doing. And so um, I encourage you to grab one of those if you had not got one, but it's, it's God's love in us. okay? and pastor was talking about the importance of a healthy heart. I don't know if you guys have ever had a, um, a medical procedure where you had to have an EKG because they had to check to make sure your heart was healthy enough for the procedure. You know, so they do the whole thing. They put all the stick, you know, and it's like you're, you're expecting this big thing. And they're like, OK, we're done. You're like, oh, that was that was easy. That was quick, you know. And so you're, you know, you're done with that. But it, it, they're checking the health of your heart. I remember one time um, I, I was I, I woke up in the middle of the night. I was like in, in intense pain. And um, I was just excruciating pain. I had never felt any, any kind of pain like it. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm, I am I go over to the bathroom. I'm just in there. I'm just like sweating profusely. I, I'm shaking, you know, and all this stuff and, and, and just about to throw up. Just all this is it, bad. You know, I'm like, man, this is bad. And I'm trying to make it through this. And then Wendy's over there. She, she wakes up and she's like, what's going on? Are you all right? You know, what's go?" And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm just... Finally, she said, okay, we're going to the doctor. We're going to the hospital. You know, So we go to the hospital, long story short, kidney stone. Okay. And you're like, so I don't wish that on anybody. I mean, that, that's in some pretty good pain. But the funny thing was that the, the, the guy that's checking my vitals is like, he checks and he says, are you a runner? I'm like, yeah, how'd you know? He said, Well, your your heart rate's pretty low for the amount of pain you're in right now. And he's like, I said, Well, is that bad? He said, No, that's a good thing. You have a healthy heart. So it's about the importance of a healthy heart. Okay? So, you know, week one pastor said that when your heart is healthy, then healthy things grow. You remember the whole seed and the soil thing? The seed is perfect, but how's the how's the soil? Meaning your heart to receive what God wants to plant in your life. And so um, the condition, the, the truth that he brought was that the condition of my heart is my responsibility. I have to make sure that there's a good soil there for God to be able to plant something, God to be able to work in me. And then on week two, he, you know, he brought that uh, the, the, the idea that we were created to live from the inside out. We were created to live from the inside out. And the truth there was that when my heart is right, then my behaviors are going to fall in place. They're going to follow. It's not the other way around. We don't try to fix our behavior and then come to God. That doesn't work. We've, we've probably all tried that and realized it. That's just, that's useless. So he talked about the importance of a healthy heart and the importance of guarding our heart. And today I want, to, I want to move on in this week to talk about heart disease. Okay, heart disease in the natural is the leading cause of death in the U.S., uh, key factors, high blood pressure, cholesterol, smoking, these things, uh, affect our heart is affected by what we put in our bodies and you know, how much exercise we get or don't get, but I'm not here to tell you today to put down the Buddha and the King cake. That's not what I'm talking about today. I want to talk about a different kind of heart disease. I want to talk about offense and resentment and bitterness, unforgiveness. These things are all kind of a synonyms for the same Feeling and the same thing that we can harbor in our lives, and you know, these things rob us of a healthy heart spiritually. These these are weeds that choke the spiritual life from our hearts. And um, you know, it's easy; it's so easy to get offended, especially nowadays. Right? Happens all the time. You know, uh, something somebody said about you. You know, it's easy; you get offended. Maybe you were left out. You were, you were, uh, you know, you weren't invited. So you felt rejected. Or maybe you were flat out rejected. And that, that, that causes offense. That causes hurt. That causes pain. And, or maybe, you know, get on social media for about 2.7 seconds. You can get offended pretty quick. Pretty easy, right? Happens all the time. It's so easy to get offended. And, you know, we know we're supposed to forgive, right? But it's so hard Why is it so hard to forgive? Why is it so hard to get past the fence? Because we're human. We have feelings. We have emotions. You know, I mean, let's just drop our Sunday faces today and let's get real for a moment. Can can we do that? Right? I mean, sometimes when someone wrongs us, we just want to stay mad. You ever, you ever had that? You just want to, you just want to hold on to that offense. You just want to keep it. It's like, oh, you just want to sit there and stew on it, you know, and just grumble. And 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 your flesh is saying, "Ah, uh-uh, you ain't getting off that easy. I ain't letting you go." And the Holy Spirit's trying to tell us to keep our mouth shut, right? But we're too busy preparing our counterattack. And he's over there, like, you know, "Blessed are the peacemakers," <laughs> quoting the Beatitudes, and we're over here, like, "Yeah, there's gonna be some attitude," you know. <laughs> and you know, the Holy Spirit—he's here trying to keep us. From getting into that trap of offense, don't you hate it when you have the perfect comeback? Though the perfect comeback, and the Holy Spirit is like, Nuh-uh. "Don't you say that?" You're just like, "Go." He won't let you say it. Romans twelve eighteen says, "Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone." Wait, what? Peace with everyone? Wait, even the people that offend me? Even that boss at work who's such a jerk, that kind of rhymes, that boss at work, he's like, you know, that offends you all the time. Even my my spouse, when they're even more of a jerk than that boss at work, who's a jerk. One of the hardest verses to obey sometimes is that one in Ephesians that says, don't go to bed angry. You ever come across that one? I mean, I know you guys, you guys, you guys don't argue. You married people don't argue, right? Y'all don't have those issues. So I'll just tell them myself, you know, so we're like, you know, we try, I try to do this, but sometimes it's a challenge because you have, okay, so me and Wendy have sometimes intense moments of fellowship. We don't have arguments. We don't, we don't get in fights. We just have those fellowship moments. And, um, you know, it's, it says, don't go to bed angry. So, you know, I'm trying to, trying to abide by that. And so, and you crawl in bed and you're like, uh, you know, such a, it's so, there's like an iceberg between you and the, it's just, and you're like, I uh, don't go to bed angry. So you're like, good night. I love you. And she's like, good night. I love you too. Dang it. You know, it's just <laughs> that trying to not, sometimes it's hard or that other verse in Proverbs, that says a gentle answer deflects anger. Oh, that sounds so great. But you know, we're like, I don't want to give them a gentle answer. I want to give them a gentle tap. On the head with a hammer, a big one. You know, offense is one of the biggest hindrances, though, to actually obeying what the Bible calls the greatest commandment. The greatest. Y'all remember the greatest commandment? Love the Lord. Come on, say love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. And what was the follow up? The second part love your neighbor as yourself, right? So basically it boils down to our basically our mission in life is love God and love others. Have you heard this? If you haven't, if this is new to you, then you need to get a hold of this because this is why we're here. This is what it's all about. Love God and love others. You know when we're offended, our relationship with God becomes stale. It starts to suffer. It doesn't grow. It kind of stops, it kind of just pauses. And so our relationship with God is in trouble at that point because we are holding on to offense. Ephesians 4, 27 says our anger and unforgiveness gives the devil a foothold. You know what a foothold is? It's uh, like you ever done the rock climbing thing on the little rock wall things or in the rock climbing gym. It's pretty fun. You know, get all the little the little hold things on the, you know, their pegs, the little footholds handholds, footholds. And so it's something to actually get a grip on and climb up. And so uh, a definition of is actually a secure position. From which further progress can be made. A secure position from which further progress can be made. You know the enemy. You have an enemy of your soul. He does not want you to go further in your relationship with God. And this enemy is looking. Always looking for something in your life to hang on to. He's always looking for something in your life to hang on to. And he's looking for that. That that secure Uh, position to gain more ground and offense does that offense gives that to him anger and unforgiveness gives that to the enemy lets him have that that position that he needs to be able to gain more ground it's pretty much almost like a wide open door really you know we don't we don't we wouldn't normally just go and open our door and say come on in devil wreak havoc But we do that unintentionally sometimes whenever we hold on to, uh, you know, hold on to that that hurt and unforgiveness. uh, Offense, listen to this. You may even want to write this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're not taking notes. There you go. Um, Offense can hinder our ability to receive what we need from the Lord. Think about that. Offense can hinder our ability to receive what we need from the Lord. There's a scripture in Matthew 13. I want to I share with you this, this morning that's kind of eye-opening. Uh, let's read it. Matthew 13, 54 is where it starts. It says, talking about Jesus, he returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get his wisdom and power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And then verse 57. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. And this, this key verse number 58, though, says, And so he only did a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Their unbelief prevented him. They limited the power of Jesus to work in their life because of their offense, because that they were deeply offended. I mean, he was he went he healed he healed Bubba's hang toe hangnail and he healed, you know, Billy Joe's tummy ache, but he wasn't able to do much more because of their offense Uh, There's a story in Matthew 18 that Jesus tells us is a parable about a king and this this king's subject who owes him millions of dollars, millions of dollars. He borrowed from the royal treasury. He owes millions of dollars. So the king calls him in on it and says, hey, it's time to pay up. And this guy's like, wait, wait, I'm not ready. I don't have it. I I can't pay up yet. Just give me a little more time. You know, because the the king's like, you know, you don't have it. You you can't pay up. I'm going to sell everything you have. To pay, I'm going to sell you and your family into slavery to be able to work off your debt. And this guy's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Give me some time. And so the king, he had mercy, he had pity. And so he released him. And not only did he release him and not send him to prison, but he forgave the whole debt. Millions of dollars forgave the whole debt. And then this guy leaves. And just after he leaves, what just happened? He comes across someone who owes him a few thousand. He owes him a few thousand dollars. He says, hey, man, you need to pay up. And this other guy's like, wait, 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 I don't have it. I can't, I get paid on Friday. Wait, just hold up. Let me, give me, give me some time. And this guy's like, no. And so he has him thrown in prison, in debtor's prison. So that he can get his, you know, cause, cause the guy owes him. And so the King finds out about this. The King finds out what this guy did after he had just forgiven him of millions. And he calls this guy in and calls him before him and he calls him on account and says, Hey, I forgave you. I had pity on you. I forgave you of millions. And you didn't forgive this guy of just a little debt. And he called that man an evil servant. And he threw him in prison. You see, experiencing grace is supposed to motivate us to extend grace. Experiencing grace is supposed to motivate us to extend grace. But unforgiveness short circuits the process. Unforgiveness short circuits that. You know, we experience grace, we experience forgiveness. But then that unforgiveness short circuits it and we don't give it. When we've received so much. And yet we don't give it. Even the Lord's Prayer says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And that as is kind of just a little word stuck in there, but really has a huge, there's a big pivot right there. Huge. And it says, you know, it says as we forgive Those who sin against us, but it basically says, in the same way as, or as much as. If you think of it that way, it's like, whoa. Okay, God, I'm asking you to forgive me in the same way as I forgive those around me. That's kind of eye opening, you know, that we're praying that. And that's how Jesus taught us to pray. As a matter of fact, when he finished the Lord's Prayer, when when he was teaching the disciples, There's a little blurb that kind of gets left out at the end. It's not part of the, but it follows right on the tail of it. In Matthew chapter six, let's read it. Verse 14, it says in prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. That's big. And they didn't say, you know, that whatever, whatever. It said, you cut yourself off. This is something we're doing to ourselves, people. This is something that we're bringing on ourselves. And it's it's cutting us off from what God has for us. It cuts us off from what we need from God. It's not good. You know, offense. So offense messes up the first part of that whole great commandment of love God, love others. And so the love God part gets messed up. Because the forgiveness, the break in that relationship. So that offense causes that there, there, there to be a separation there and it cuts us off from that. But then there's that second part, love others. Well, that gets affected too. That gets affected too. Offense prevents us from walking in love with others. It prevents us from walking in love with others. You know, there's a reason why the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. There's a reason why. It's because love buries the things that would normally aggravate us. It covers, it kind of hides it. It buries it. It kind of keeps it out of, out of sight. Uh, You know, it's, it, it kind of makes allowance for that. You ever heard that? There's a scripture I want to read in Colossians chapter three, verse 13. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others what does that mean? Make allowance for it's kind of like when you got the new guy on the job and you know, he's going to mess up It's he's like, Oh, well, it's the new guy. You just got to kind of make allowances. You know, you got to kind of come behind him or help him. And like, Hey dude, you kind of, you, you messed up this. He didn't set this up right. You know? And so you make allowance for, you kind of expect it. You kind of give him a little grace, right? It's about extending a little grace. It's about extending grace. And so Paul's telling us here, hey, make allowance for each other's faults. Extend a little grace. You know you're going to mess up. You know these other people are you're human, you're all human, you're all going to mess up. So extend a little grace. You know God's calling you to let go of your rights. And we don't like that. That's not popular. You right to get angry, you right, you right right to be bitter, right to hold a grudge or get even, get revenge. And you're like, but they don't deserve forgiveness. But I tell you, forgiveness by definition is always undeserved. Just by definition, forgiveness is always undeserved. When we receive forgiveness, we don't deserve it. So just like that, whenever someone doesn't deserve our forgiveness, it goes both ways. We receive it, we can give it, right? So are you offended? Living with offense but thinking you can handle it saying, I got this. Yeah. It don't affect me quite like that. I hear all that. Sean, I hear what you're saying, but I got this. I can handle this. I, you don't know what was done to me. You don't know, how much it hurt. You don't know. I got this. I can handle it, but you know what? There's a truth here. Offense is a hardening of our heart towards someone or something. Offense is hardening of our heart. You might not even realize it, that your heart is getting harder. But offense does that. The truth is, we don't get to choose who we harden our hearts toward. It just starts getting hard. And offense towards one affects all the rest. So when we hold in that offense and our heart gets hard, it's affecting everyone. All those around us, you know, you want God to work in your family's lives or those close to you. But you holding on to offense can negatively impact their experience of God's love. Did you know that your heart's health is a major factor of God working in their life? I know you probably knew, oh, well, you know, it's going to affect my you know God working in my life. It's also affecting God working in their life your kids, your family members, your close friends. Holding on to offense hardens our heart. When we allow bitterness or unforgiveness to hang out, all of our relationships suffer. It's like wanting to poison someone. You want to get back at someone, so you want to poison someone in the room. So you put the poison in the little scentsy diffuser thingy. Guess what? It's not just gonna hurt them. Right? Everyone in the room gets it. Especially if it's one of those funky smells. I hate sensey. I'm just kidding. All our relationships suffer, it affects everyone around us. You know? We start to lash out, we get loud, or maybe you're the opposite. Turn inward, get quiet whatever it is it's going to affect people it 's going to affect everyone around you it 's unhealthy you know unforgiveness hurts us too i mean you, we're talking about all these around us, but it hurts us too it 's like a toxin inside of us. You were never designed you weren't created to keep bitterness bottled up offense bottled up inside of us. We just weren't created that way i've had I, I had an acid one time that was um I had put in this container and evidently it was not the right container for that acid, And so it like it corrodes and it it eats through the container. You are like it's in the shed and you're like, Oh, what's going on here? You know, but you know what? If you store it in a container that's not designed to store acid, guess what? It's going to corrode. It's going to erode. You're going to have problems. Same thing with a fence. You weren't created to store that. You were not created to bottle that up inside. You were not, you are not created that way. You aren't designed that way. There's an old saying, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and then waiting for the other person to die. It's attributed to everyone from Buddha to Princess Leia. I don't know. You Google it. It's still true. I'm serious. Google it. But the bottom line is it's true. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It doesn't work that way. It affects you. So a lot of heavy, but now let me show you a better way. Okay, let's look at a better way to handle this. Let's, let's, let's turn the page a little bit here. Psalm 34, 14 says to seek peace and pursue it. What does that mean to pursue it? It means to work, to maintain it. You know, one of our values here is Unity. And it's not just creating unity, but it's guarding it and working to maintain it. Because you don't just create something, you have to maintain it. You have to work to keep it, pursue it. And the so same thing with peace and with forgiveness. It's not easy, but it's, it's work, but it's worth it. So the truth is here that being offended is inevitable. We've talked about that. You're going to get offended. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is Is a choice. That's tough to swallow. Because we as humans. We say no. But I was hurt. I. You don't know what they did to me Sean. But it's a choice. It really boils down to a choice. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended. Is a choice. So here's some choices we can make. We're going to. I'm just going to run through a few things. This is like. This is where we get like super Practical. And I'm gonna quit preaching and I'm just gonna kinda of teach you a little bit here on just some so uh this is some things you may wanna write down if you're uh, taking notes, and if you're not, you may wanna write it down. So, um, no, but these are some things that you you can actually use. Like, you know, sometimes we hear messages, and we're like, we get all excited, then we leave and you're like, What do I do with that? Not not pastors. Pastors' messages are awesome. We can leave and do something. but I'm talking some I've heard other places. But there are some choices that we can make because we said it's a choice. So here's some choices we can make. Number one, resist the temptation to assume. One of the biggest things about getting offended is what we assume. But there's so many factors that go into what happened. But we want to short circuit all those and say, no, 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 no. This is why they did that. This is what happened. This is why they haven't texted me back yet. Wendy. I'm picking at her because man, one day she was at it about somebody and no 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 and finally somehow I came out later that she had been texting the wrong number the whole time. <laughs> like, why are they not? They hate me. The world is falling apart. I'm, not sure. I'm like, it's okay, there's probably some explanation. No, the explanation is they hate me. <laughs> the explanation was that she had the wrong number. <laughs> Sometimes there's other factors involved. Do not assume, resist the temptation to assume. We can never truly know another person's motives. Only God sees the heart. Only God sees the heart, even if they actually did something, even if they did not text you back. God knows their heart. There may be something going on. You know, we talked earlier about that scripture, but here's another version of it. The Passion Translation says, don't give the devil an opportunity to manipulate you. That foothold thing. Don't give the devil a, an opportunity to manipulate you. And that's what he does when you start assuming things. He's manipulating your mind. He's like, he's like oh, this is like Plato here. We're having some fun. So number one, don't. Uh, re, number one is resist the temptation to assume. Number two, don't rehearse. Don't rehearse. We want to walk through it. Ten times a day. Yeah, they said that they did this to me. And we just want to keep going over and over and over what they did to us. Going over what they said, going over the fact that we were rejected or left out. But we need to let it go. Don't rehearse it. Don't go over and over again. Yeah, maybe it comes up in your memory, but you have to try to. I'm talking about when you actually pull it up, drag it up and keep dragging it up. There's a difference. There's a song uh, by Corey Asbury called Sparrows. And there's a lyric in that song. There's a line that says a heart that's planted in forgiveness. Doesn't dwell in the past. A heart. Let me say that again. A heart that's planted in forgiveness doesn't dwell in the past. Don't rehearse it. Don't keep bringing it up. Don't keep dragging it up. What are they talking about? Burying the hatchet and you leave the handle sticking out so you can keep grabbing it out. That's old Garth Brooks song, I think, from way back when. I'm not going to sing it. Uh, So don't rehearse. Number three, write it out. Write it out. Get you a journal. Write out your feelings. Write out your frustrations. If you're a man, get you a man journal. I call it a Myrtle. Get you one. Make it tough. Put duct tape on it. I don't know. Tape some screws and, you know, nuts and bolts and stuff on it. It's a Myrtle. Write in it. Write it out. We're like, no, God. tough for that. I ain't doing that. It helps. It's therapeutic. It's, this, I'm telling you, this is practical. It doesn't. The Bible doesn't say get a Myrtle. But this is practical. Write it out. It helps to release it. Next one, realize that it's not God's fault. Realize that we can go through some things in life and sometimes we can turn the blame. And we can feel like, yeah, God, why'd you, you know? And we just get this, maybe we're still in church or maybe we still have that connection, but there's this tension there between us and God because, or maybe it's just totally brought a separation between you and God because of this offense that you're holding on to, and you're like, can't take it. You have to realize that it's not God's fault. Sometimes people are people. Sometimes people do things that hurt. Sometimes we just go through stuff. I mean, this world is is messed up. There's sickness, there's there's violence, there's stuff. Realize that it's not God's fault. Next one, be an encourager. Be an encourager. You know, even when you have offense, even when you have been wronged, you can still be an encourager. Matter of fact, it's part of the healing. People sometimes melt at a rightly timed, genuine word of affirmation. You can actually melt someone's hardness towards you or someone's offense, someone's what they did to you. There's a verse that says basically... I sum it up to say, kill them with kindness. It's in Proverbs talks about, you know, giving your enemy food and drink if they're hungry, or thirsty, and then you're pouring heaps of burning coals on their head. Uh, so it's basically sums it up by saying, kill them with kindness. You want to get back at them? Kill them with kindness for what they did to you. Do something to serve them. You talk about blow their mind. When somebody has offended you, someone's done something to hurt you, and yet you do something to serve them. Something that's a sacrifice for you. It will blow their mind and it goes a long way towards healing. It'll do one of two things. It'll melt their heart or it'll heap the burning coals on their head. Either way, you've done what the Bible says to do. And the last one is this. Allow God to turn what hurts you into something that heals others. Allow God to turn what hurt you into something that heals others. God can use your story. God can use what happened to you to make a difference in someone else. You may have been hurt. You may have been offended. Chances are you're going to come across someone who's going through what you went through at some point in life. And you can walk them through and say, look, this is what happened to me. And God helped me through it. God healed me of that. God allowed me to let go of that offense. Some of the biggest hurts and most miserable times in our lives can cause us to know God deeper. Can cause us to become stronger. And can allow us to relate to others that are hurting in the same way. Some of the biggest hurts and most miserable times, God can use that. So I want you to think about these things. Hopefully you wrote them down. Hopefully you saw them, got some, picked one at least. Maybe all of them didn't apply to you. Maybe you grabbed a hold of one today. And you want to take that step. God's asking you to take that step today. We're all about next steps here. And it's not like you have to jump from here to there. He's saying a small step, one at a time. Just a little bit. A step towards healing. A step towards forgiveness. Just one step. Just one little action. Just one little decision. One choice that we can make. And I love this scripture in the Old Testament where it's talking about, you know, they're building, rebuilding the temple and stuff, but it, I love this scripture because it applies. It says, do not despise these small beginnings. It's in Zechariah chapter four. It says, do not despise these small beginnings. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. You know what? God knows. God sees where you are. He knows you were hurt. And he says, you know what? Just take that one step and I'll rejoice with you. You don't have to just walk. You know, you're not going to just immediately totally forgive every time because sometimes it's deep. That offense runs That Hurt is real. It's real and it hurts and it's deep, but God says, you take a step and I'll walk with you in this. So I'm rejoiced to see this, this small beginning, this work begin and you take another step and you make another choice. And before long, you find yourself free of that offense. You find yourself free Find yourself free. There's another old saying, and I don't know who said it, but it's basically it goes like this. To forgive is to set the prisoner free. And then discover that the prisoner was you. When you forgive, it sets you free. It sets you free. Would you bow your heads this morning? I just want to, I want you to focus On your life this morning. Just think about maybe an area of your heart, your life, something that might be an offense that you've let linger. There's unforgiveness somewhere, there's bitterness, resentment, something that's got a little bit of a grip. A foothold. Maybe it's more than lingering. Maybe it's overwhelming in your mind. Maybe it consumes your thoughts at times. God's saying, let that go. Give that up. Give that to me. Let's take a step. Let's begin. Let's make a small beginning here. So this morning, I want to ask you. Is there an area of your heart where you need to let go and you need to forgive someone? You need to forgive them for something, a wrong, a rejection, a hurt? I want you to just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart this morning, let you see that. Maybe your issue this morning is you're having trouble forgiving yourself. Ah, I've gone too far. You don't know what I've done. God's, he's saying, you know what? I got this. I got this. I paid for this with my blood. Forgiveness towards others, towards yourself. Maybe even God. Maybe you have that resentment towards God this morning. Maybe you feel that, that distance I was talking about because of that little bit of, it might be outright anger. You might be angry towards God or there might be just a little tinge, just a little twinge of something there that you know it's keeping you from that relationship. I want to pray for you this morning. If you fall into any one of those categories, if you have unforgiveness or you need to let go of that offense, towards others or forgive yourself or reconnect with God. If that's you, would you just slip up a hand? Nobody's looking around. This is between you and God. I just want to pray for you. I see those hands. Anyone else? I see hands going up. Anyone else? Alright, you can put those hands down. I'm going to pray for you. God, I just thank you right now that you see our hearts. God, I pray that you would You would bring a healing right now, Lord, into the hearts of these people. Have raised their hands, Lord. God, that you would bring healing. That you would bring, uh, uh, God, that you would break the chains of unforgiveness and offense that have been holding them back in their relationships. God, in their life, in their mental and emotional health. God, that you would bring a healing. Heal that hurt, heal that rejection, heal that pain inside of them and help them to let go of that offense today and be free. God, that you restore that connection with others. God, even close, close family members that have been, that there's been a, just a, God, such a hurt that they're not even speaking anymore. God, I pray that you would begin to heal that, that there would be steps that would be taken Choices made this morning, God, that someone would leave here and would pick up the phone and would call or send a text if they have to. God, whatever it is, they would start the process and say, I'm going to make this small beginning. And God, I'm asking you to help me. God, I pray right now that you would be with them as they do this. Give them the strength to do it, to pick up that phone, maybe even to go face to face. To talk. To work it. Work it out, God. I pray that you would help them, God, to forgive themselves, Lord, where they've not allowed you to work in their hearts because they can't forgive themselves. God, I pray that you would help them to realize that they are already accepted by you because of what you did on Calvary, God, that your blood paid the price and that there is freedom for them, God, that they don't have to hold on to that that guilt and that shame, God, but that you bring forgiveness. You bring acceptance. and You bring it freely. And God, that your relationship with them, those that have had that, that animosity or that resentment or whatever it is that's been between them and you, God, that you would heal that. That you would bring about such a sweet Fellowship. And a relationship that would grow, be strong and healthy. Heal their hearts, God, this morning. Heal our hearts.